Thank you so much for that wonderful singing of a wonderful hymn. That hymn has had a birthday. It's not often that we commemorate the birthday of hymns. But this hymn had a birthday just a week ago. I wonder how many of you noticed the birthday of Amazing Grace. I was delighted to see it remembered. The hymn was composed by the Reverend John Newton on the 1st of January, 1773. And it has gone on over 250 years as an inspiration to many, many people. People in different nations, people in different cultures, people in different situations, and it's almost become a pop song. Amazing grace, amazing hymn. I wonder if John Newton, when he composed that hymn, ever thought that it would last 250 years and still be so popular. And most wonderful of all, it was kept particularly close to our colored and black friends in the United States of America. And that's particularly moving because John Newton was a slave captain. In his earlier days, he had a life of utter degradation until in a storm off the coast of Brazil, God began to speak to Newton and to remind him that he was there. He had been reading a book by Thomas Akempis. And in that storm, he suddenly heard God's voice talking to him. He wasn't a Christian immediately. It took time for Newton to go on with God, and it took time for him to get rid of his past because he had been a very, very degraded man. But God's grace reaches all kinds of degradation. And although we know that hymn today as Amazing Grace, its title actually was, when it was composed on 1st January 1773, its title was Faith's Review and Expectation. Isn't that a great title? Faith's Review and Expectation. Newton was looking back reviewing his life, doing what some of us do at the start of a year. It was quite a life to look back on. But he was so grateful for God's amazing grace that he composed this hymn. I wonder how you look, what way you look at the beginning of a year. Do you look back? Do you look forward? Do you do both? Are you too afraid to look either way? It's a challenge. It really is. And I know people that are retrospectives, a bit like me. They look back and they see what has happened in the year that has gone. And they try to trace patterns and so on. There are other people who are what I call futurists. And they're looking forward and that's very important. It's very important that we should look forward. We've got to do both. And we've got to keep both in balance. And it's finding that balance 
between the past and the future that is often such a challenge. At least I find it so. Some people think that if you turn the calendar from 2022 to 2023, you close 2022 and you close all its problems. I've seen so much of that. People say, oh, we're glad to get rid of that year. Uh-huh. But what about the next one? Is it going to be any better? I wish just turning the page of a calendar would solve problems. It doesn't happen. And that type of thinking can lead to a wrong view of God and his grace. Sometimes I look at Facebook, as many of you know. I enjoy the fun on Facebook. But sometimes I don't like Facebook philosophy. Because Facebook philosophy is the philosophy of this world. And I see it all around me so often. And I react. And very recently, I reacted. I saw a single a quotation which I found very, very difficult. It just didn't do what I wanted it to do. It was leading people completely in the wrong road. It said, why is a car windscreen bigger than the rear view mirror? Because you've got to use the windscreen when you drive and you mustn't use the rear view mirror. Something to that effect. And I thought, hmm, that's a very strange thing. And I got a lot of ticks, you know, Facebook ticks. I thought, oh dear, and I saw Christians doing it. I thought, hmm. And so I put a wee note saying, hum, the most important thing in my car is the rear view mirror. I daren't go out on the road without adjusting my rear view mirror making sure that I can see behind me. I don't know about your cars. How many rear-view mirrors have you got? I've got three. And whenever I go out, I adjust them, make sure they're working and they're at my right height, my eye line for vision. Because I never know who's going to come up in the fast lane when I'm trying to overtake. You've got to watch. And the most important thing you can have in a car in terms of glass is your rear view mirror. Somebody said on Facebook, hmm, if you look in your rear view mirror, you might go into the ditch. And I wrote back and said, the times I've been in the ditch weren't caused by the rear view mirror. They were caused by my own stupidity most of the time or failure to take into account prevailing traffic conditions. And in the islands, we have things like people who don't know where the reverse gear is and they just keep coming forward. <laughs> I don't know whether you have these things. These challenges on the mainland, I wouldn't know. But they can put you in the ditch. But, you know, life needs its rear view mirror too. We must be able to look back at life and see things. And above all, to see the wonderful things that God has done, has done for our encouragement. And when Newton looked back, what did he write? Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. I have what? Already come. And he was encouraged by that. 
tis grace hath brought me safe thus far. Tis grace will lead me home. And you know, the older you become, like me, as I was saying to the young folk, the more precious these words become. You look back and you get the strength to look forward. Faith's review and expectation. Isn't that lovely? What a thought. And you know, that's why my thoughts were led to Psalm 107. As soon as Scott said to me, will you take the service? I said, yes, I will. And I'd like to preach on Psalm 107. It was as clear as that. Because that psalm has gone with me all my life. I had it as my companion psalm when I worked in universities. And I had my Bible marked with a marker. Psalm 107 marking 107, Psalm 107. And the number of times I used it in the course of my career was quite remarkable. It seemed to be relevant to a lot of issues. Why? Because in this psalm, the psalmist is looking back. It's the rear view psalm. And he's looking at what God has done. And the first thing he says to us is... Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. What he did in the past, he redeemed us from the hands of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. What the Lord did, he redeemed us, brought us back. And this is the experience of Israel. And the Psalms that surround 107, 105, 106 in particular, look back at the experiences of the Israelites in the wilderness. Their various wanderings, their difficulties, their troubles, all their moans and groans, their worshipping of idols, all the bad things they did, which displeased God. But then Psalm 107 changes the gear, as it were. And suddenly, collectively, we're looking at groups of people whom the Lord has lifted out of their difficulties, just like John Newton. It's a wonderful psalm. And we have four pictures in that psalm of different categories of people that the Lord has helped. And although there are four different categories, they can apply to one person or to one group because we've all had a bit of that experience somewhere along the line. First, in the opening verses, four to nine, we meet the wanderers, the people who somehow have had prairies and prairies of land, whatever you want to call them, fields to go into, acres and acres and somehow they've got lost in all of that and even they've become hungry some wandered in desert wastelands finding no way to a city where they could settle they were hungry and thirsty and their lives ebbed away then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble the wanderers and somehow it doesn't always matter whether you're in a desert or not whether it's sand that's around you or carpets or whatever, you can still wander. I've been there. 
Then we meet the prisoners. Sometimes we think very literally of prisons and prisoners, and I used to work helping prisoners, and I learned a little about the inside of prisons. Not always pleasant, very challenging places, restricted, hard, and I know we think about our friends here very close to us, and that's a wonderful thing, because just a little encouragement can transform their lives. But we can also be in bondage. We can be in bondage to so many things nowadays. Never has there been such a range of temptations and very, very subtle, insidious ways of imprisoning the human mind through social media, so many things that weren't there when I was that wee boy growing up in Tyree. We didn't have that range of temptation. We didn't have that range of claws, hands, thoughts, ideas, ideologies coming at us and sometimes imprisoning us. And I've known people that have been terribly in bondage to these things. And here too we have the same as in the previous part in verses 10 to 16. The Lord did something wonderful. When they cried to the Lord in their trouble, he saved them from their distress. The prisoners, they had a bit of time to do. They had to serve the sentence. But God in his grace came down and rescued them. And then we have the rebels. Interesting category, the rebels, in verses 17 to 22. Rebel, rebellion and sickness going together in this portion. Fascinating. And you know, I thought of this, and I can recognize myself in that. Sometimes we rebel because we think we're so strong and we can do our own thing. I was a bit like that. I thought I was very strong and able when I was in my career. And then I became unwell. And I realized that I just wasn't as strong as I thought I was. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. I experienced that. And I'm standing here today. Amazing. And then we have the sailors. And no, I didn't pick this because I'm a Hebridean and I'm on ferries and Caledonian McBrain and all of that. No. I've been there, though, in the storms. Suddenly you're sailing along and it's a lovely thing. But also on other days when suddenly storms arise. And we hear plenty of it. Ferries can't reach the islands and so on because of storms. But there are other storms that come to us unexpectedly in life. We're having a grand time, enjoying ourselves, and suddenly something goes wrong. The storms are all around us. How difficult to deal with that. Many of us are fair-weather sailors. We're not made for the storms. And here we have these merchants. They're the opposite of the rebels and the fools and so on. They've planned out their lives. They're going to go for the big time and they're going to trade and they're going to make money. And they'll be well off. 
and then the dot-com bubble bursts and something goes very wrong. And these people who've got the navigation all worked out, they really want stagger. Like what? Like drunken men. Ooh, what a change. And then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and he brings them out of their distress. Love these, these words. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm. And he guided them to their desired haven. That's a lovely, lovely verse of scripture. A wonderful verse for 2023. He guided them to their desired haven. If I have a prayer for any of you, in 2023, it must surely be that the Lord will guide you to your desired haven. But as we come to the end of our meditation this morning, just let us think of the processes here. We've met the categories. Now for the processes. And they all go through the same thing. If you read these verses closely, you'll see quite clearly that people get into a crisis. Suddenly they're overwhelmed. They're like the sailors. They're at their wit's end. What do we do next? Where do we go next? <laughs> and it becomes very difficult. Particularly if you're taking the long view. Annabelle was just reminding us, try the small view of the days rather than the years and the months. But these crises come to each one of us. I've had them. And I'm sure you've had them and you could tell us a lot about them. There's the crisis that overwhelms and there's the cry that comes out. We are at our wit's end and what can we do? Can't do anything but cry out sometimes. Everything else has failed. Difficult. And each of these people cry out, these groups. And then what happens? The rescue. The rescue. God reaches down to them. And he takes them out. Amazing. And the result is that they praise God for his goodness. Sometimes we forget to do that. Sometimes we manage to get clear of the problem. And we don't see God's hand. We don't see it. Because everything is so immediate. And we're through the problem. The worst is over. And we forget. And that's why it's important to use that rear view mirror. Just to look back and see the great things God has done. His faithfulness. His kindness to us across years. Yes, we can see all sorts of difficulties and sadnesses and sorrows as we look back. I have plenty of them. And even in 2022, I was reflecting on the loss of six friends and two very dear ones in the University of Aberdeen who were my best encouragers. They've gone in 2022. And you can focus on that or in the rearview mirror of God's grace you can see 
so many wonderful things. And I'm just amazed, as I, say, as I said to the young people, and, to, and you're all young people, and they're all together. I'm still here. And that's wonderful. That's wonderful. God's grace in rescuing me. Back to Newton. What did Newton do when he looked back? When he composed the hymn that he called Faith's Review and Expectation. What did he do? He praised God. Thanked him for all that he had done. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And one of his other hymns that I often think of. And I think, could that hymn have been composed by a guy like you? How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes his sorrows, heals his wounds, and drives away his fear. And this Psalm 107 makes it clear that we ought to thank God for all the good things. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands. From east and west. From north and south. And then let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. And his wonderful deeds for mankind. And at the end of this psalm, whoever is wise, let him her heed these things and consider the great love of the Lord. As we go on into 2023, let's look back, not in a spirit of, I suppose, gloomy retrospection, but tracing God's faithfulness to each and every one of us. That is such a wonderful thing. And you know, that's what gives me courage. Through many dangers, toils and snares, I have the great word, already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far. Tis grace will bring me home. Amen.